Let's get ready to rumble! Oh, um, hello and welcome to Netflix and Cinema, the podcast that is this week having yet more existential questions about cinema and cinema timings. My name is Tosin, I am the host, I am based up in the middle of the UK, um, near a uh, city called Birmingham, and joining me as ever on the Isle of Wight, a small island off the coast of the south, of the south coast of England, is Sharon. Hi Sharon. Hello. Yeah, Sharon, we are talking about like you know getting uh, having a bit of an existential crisis because th- oh, there's a couple of different things that have come together. I think that we are still living in a post Spider Man No Way Home world, yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, or, and we're also living in a pre pre. Well, I think I think that there's there's reports that there's some film studios that are worried that there might be a little bit of a lockdown coming around the world, so some films are being held back. Uh, it's kind of like we're at the beginning of 2020 again. So we are left with a week in which there was not that much to see. There was no. Yeah. Bear in mind that there's usually three of us on this podcast. We are left in a week in which there was not that much to see. So we managed to see two things. Oh, no, there were two things available for us to see. And what scuppered you from actually seeing the thing that you were hoping to see, Sharon? Yeah, I had planned to go and see one, um, but... This week at the cinema on the Isle of Wight where I live, normally very good with timings, they only had one showing for the whole week and it was at half past two every afternoon except the weekends. So I don't know if they like designed it so that no one would see this film <laughs> because no one in work could possibly see it. And I only worked three days a week. And then the one day that I was free to see it, we had a doctor's appointment that made me meant that I wasn't available to see it so yes things yeah. did not go according to plan this week cinema you see no, that is that is because this this is the electrical life of Lewis Wayne that you're talking yes. about that's the film that you would have seen if you that you were trying to get to the cinema to see this week and the electrical life of Lewis Wayne it's a film that I look at Cabernet Cumberbatch Claire Foy that's a film that you there is no way that they are aiming for anybody but an older crowd yeah like like a more mature crowd I would say probably starting round about my age, <laughs> round about my age, maybe younger. So people on their way to 40, let's put it that way. Yeah. At the very end, there's people on their way to 40. And I'm thinking most of those people will be at work. So who are you showing it for at 2.30 in the afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> it's, are- yeah. Crazy town. I mean, last week they did have two showings. It was 2.30 again and then at 6 o'clock. But, and that was the only two. But again, at 6 o'clock, that is normally the time when if people are in work, it's when they're getting ready, preparing to get ready to go out. It's a yeah. quick, quick turnaround for people who are in work to better get home from work and then turn around to go straight back out again. So it wasn't aimed at anyone. This is why, I mean, it should come as no spoiler or like, I think quite a, quite a long time ago on this podcast, it was called Netflix for Cinema. We decided like, you know what? We don't really think that there is a really a fight between Netflix and cinema. We're just going to enjoy both. <laughs> we're just we're yeah. just going to enjoy them both. But we're going to keep calling it Netflix and cinema. But this is one of those times where you think this is a problem that cinema has to sort out. The 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 convenience of when you have time to sit down at home and watch something versus when they're saying no, this is the time, and if you don't have it, if you don't come watch it this time, you will not watch this film. It's kind of like. 
I'm not so sure that it that that comes from for me a, a bit of a bygone era where like you know cinema could say well this is the only place you're going to see things and if you don't see it now you're, you've missed it and the exclusivity and there's still something in there but there's a problem that they need to figure out with the timings because some films a bit like what you've just I think you've alluded to with Lewis Wayne or Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne have been sent out to die yeah <laughs> They have been they sent out. Not bothered if anyone saw it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really does feel as if the makers are like, you know, oh, you watch it, you don't watch it, we don't care, we're getting paid anyway. I'm like, are you? Are you really? <laughs> it's unless they just thought, when we know it's going to be a bit of a niche film, so we're just gonna, we need to, you know, we've got a couple of screens to fill, we'll put it down there. Yeah, we get three people who see it, okay. You see, not lost much because we've still got Spider-Man playing. Uh, Unless, unless they're tr- unless they're trying to aim for you know that we're talking about the we're talking about the, the sort of, yeah. yeah the gray pound list, uh, for the retirees because they can come in the middle of the day there's not going to be a whole bunch of youths clogging up the cinema no. but but I I am not sure that that is a good strategy if you're trying to make I money. don't think that market is back out there yet I don't think they're ready for risking cinemas and things especially when you've got to wear a mask all the time now in them i yeah. think that is likely to defer some people from going so essentially what we're saying what we're saying sydney world isle of white is we you messed up you messed up yeah. and you didn't care if anybody saw that film or not okay maybe you did well enough last week we had two showings but apart from that but um yes so that means that what we have we have one film that we have seen in the cinema the other film that was an option <laughs> this week to see in the cinema unless we wanted to see Clifford the Big Red Dog which uh, as much as I'm dedicated to cinema not yet my daughter is not old enough yet to drag not me quite to, up that. to that yet <laughs> yeah it's oh uh, uh, yeah and if I had to choose one film this week it wasn't going it wasn't going to be that film so we saw I saw the 355 in cinemas so you uh you only saw something on Netflix or at home this week. What did you see? I saw a film uh, one of the new releases on Netflix called Mother Android. Mother Android. I saw this. It popped up. I was interested in that, and I saw another uh, well new release. It's been a couple of weeks now. It's been a couple of whew, Twitter Twitter warring weeks of release for Don't Look Up. Which yeah, that's the one that's had a lot of buzz about it. Yeah. It's it, it's had a lot of buzz, yeah. Not necessarily good. Buzz. Yeah, but people <laughs> have been watching it maybe just for curiosity's sake. You know? People have been watching it. And people have been fighting. People <laughs> people have been fighting. Uh, it, it's it's gotten into like you know a political thing. Even people in the political arena have been fighting about this film and about stuff. But we will get to that. We will get to that later. So let's kick off. Let's kick off in cinema. I will kick off in cinema with the three five five. Now this is a film starring Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Penelope Cruz, Diane Kruger, and oh oh I keep Bing 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 oh Bing 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 fan. It's a Chinese actress. Yeah. But a Chinese actress. Her first I name is Bing Bing. Other Oppo. He's like sort of Bing Bing fan, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I think I name is Bing Bing fan because I keep getting it. I keep thinking Bing Bing Lee, but I think it's Bing Bing fan. And um, yes, it's a film starring the uh, starring them. You might have the, the eagle eye amongst you would have spotted that those are all women. Now this is a spy movie that it's, it's a spy movie that has uh, women in its main cast, and this is a film. I mean, we spoke about it last week, and Sharon, you were lamenting the fact that you didn't like the idea of 
just making a film and just shoving women in there as the main because if as as the so as a main protagonist just to be like yeah we're women and we're leading the film you said you didn't like that you said you, said yeah, you weren't that sure who to me at all yeah you said you weren't I sure don't know who that is aimed at is yeah. it like yeah sisterhood let's support the sisters and yeah and i'm like no <laughs> thank you <laughs> if you're making films on my behalf as a woman it's like I find it slightly patronising. Yes. I, mean, I think women have fought for their place in the intelligence agency. So I haven't seen the film. They have fought for their place in security forces, in the police forces around the world. Yeah. And they've earned those places. And to someone to come along and say, hey, we're going to put an all-woman team out there. Well, unless my history has just like been lacking, there aren't all-women teams in the intelligence agency. So just create that for the purposes of a film it like undermines the hard work and the sheer graft and the sheer guts it's taken for women to hold their own in a male-dominated society by suddenly saying, hey, look, all the girls are doing it for themselves. It's like, no, they haven't been. They've fought <laughs> to get where they are, to work alongside men, not to be told, hey, look, we're going to give you your own little niche thing. <coughs> they haven't had any favours done for them because they're women. So why make films to say, hey, all the girls are going to do it together? It's like, no, they haven't been doing it like that. And that's not what how the world has worked or does work. So please don't present this film as like a uh, act of like women, you know, empowerment when it's mm. nothing of the sort. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm not sure I have anything else to add, and that's going to be three out of five stars. For... <laughs> no, 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 but, no. But obviously, spoken, spoken from your point of view as a former police operative. In the, I was a civilian in the police, but yeah, I worked in the police, and I saw yeah. how hard women fought from when I first started, having one woman per shift, possibly one woman per police station. Yeah, where I know at one station on the Isle of Wight, they of requesting can we have a wpc please yeah to do certain jobs to then i've got friends of mine who when they join the police now there's no what those obstacles are gone they they can be in any role they can do yeah. any job they're in senior officers they are through every rank in the police force and they've yeah. got their by hard graft not because yeah. you know <clears throat> to make any political points they fought their way there <laughs> well you see now and and I think that there is a good film to be made in that. And the first time this film was announced, the 355, because the reason it's called the 355 is because during the American Civil War, there is a well-known female spy who did a lot of good work in the Ameri- during the American Civil War, but nobody knows who she was. Nobody knows what her name is. She was just referred to by the code 355. And when I first heard about this film, I thought, ooh, this is going to be a story kind of about that and about this and about the legacy and everything like that. And I was really interested in that film. And last week, when you were complaining about what you thought this film was going to be, yeah. and you were like, "Who wants to? Who wants to see that film?" And I was like, "Well, I, I want to see that film." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I want to see that film. I want to. I want to see women on screen kicking butt. I want. To, I want to see that. And it's funny that you mentioned Charlie's Angels because I did have that down as one of the films. Don't worry, I'm still here. I did have that down as one of the films that I was going to. I was going to name check during this because yeah, Charlie's Angels. Yeah, well, well, Charlie, the thing with Charlie's Angels, the latest iteration of Charlie's Angels, directed by Elizabeth Banks, starring Kristen Stewart, was that that was made to be almost like a meta-commentary on the state of women, I would say probably in Hollywood, primarily, but in the world today, and a lot of the things that was made in in that film, it was kind of like, they didn't try and hide it, that look, 
we're not the bad guy here isn't somebody who wants to blow up the world the bad guy here is the patriarchy the bad guy here is the way women's bodies have been used the bad they made no bones about that now this film is more like somebody it's it's kind of like okay so you're talking about the fact that women fought to start to stack up beside men to fight beside men yeah. but where, if you watch the films from god knows however long you always had all these boys on adventures in which the women were doing nothing but making the tea in the background yeah they were the burden or they were the support staff yeah so yeah. and now this film plays like somebody saw one of those films and thought you know what i want to be there i want to be the i want to be the hero i want to be that and i want i and i have not seen that so essentially this is my chance to do it so i'm just going to put all the women in those roles that would usually go wrong and so let me put it this way you could you could flip this film you could gender flip this film and you could have the the only difference i think that you would have is that with the man the man would be the lone wolf cult who would just be on his own and he'll be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a renegade. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to be a woman army and do it. But it, when you have it like with a woman in, in charge, what you have is you have the sisterhood and it's kind of like played into that. And those, those are the tropes. So the trope for the man is that he's a lone wolf. The trope for the woman is that she has her sisters with her. And apart from that, the film is very, it's, it, this film is like paint by numbers. Okay. <laughs> it, it, I'll, I'll tell you, let me put it this way, right? This film starts off, and it starts off with an aerial shot over like a whole bunch of trees. And I just looked at that, and I, I'd, maybe I've watched too many films, but I looked at that and I thought, okay, if this is the kind of film that Sharon is complaining about, and I think it is, in my head, I just said, Bogota, Colombia. And then, as the as the character went, as as I said that, and then the capture shows up on screen five miles outside Bogota, Colombia, and I just went, "Oh my god, it's going to be one of those films." <laughs> and from that moment, this film was this film was was working hard uphill, was running uphill to try because I was like, "Oh no, it's one of those films," and they do all of the cliches that you would have expected in a. I don't know, Stallone movie in the 80s or Bruce Willis action film where it goes from there and it goes into a scene that the only reason that scene is there is trying to, is like you have Sebastian Stan and Jessica Chastain and it's kind of like a lovey-dovey scene and you're like, what the, I thought this was supposed to be a spy movie. You're supposed to be, what the heck is this doing here? And have you heard of the term fridging? No. Okay, so fridging is a trope that appears in, it, starts, it started off in comics because it started off in comics um, where it was a Green Lantern comic where essentially the Green Lantern's girlfriend was killed and put in a fridge. And it's this, and it's a trope that shows up in things where you have a male character and you have the male character and he has a wife or girlfriend or something like that. And the wife or girlfriend is only there to be killed so that the man has an excuse to go and do something. Yeah. So in John Wick, for instance, you could say that they fridged the dog, the dog. Yeah, but it, but it happens over and over again, and there is so there there's there so such blatant examples. Rambo: of, Last Blood has a, is a good example of that. Yeah, yeah. The, essentially, it happens over and over again yeah. in action cinema. There are instances of fridging where you have a female character that is so badly sketched, and the only reason she's there is to die, so that the male character has an excuse you to give feel a something. Reason to be angry, yeah. Yes, and there are so when I say about paint by numbers, so you have five characters in this, or five female characters, and there's 
<laughs> and they've got and there's characters that they introduce into each one of their lives and you're just playing the watch you're just watching it going okay he's dead yep he's dead oh yeah he's not gonna last to the end of the film <laughs> oh and, and there was even what i was that it showed up and i was like okay he is going to die but you're never going to see the body and he's going to come back as the bad guy I said this in the first five minutes of the film. Boom! I was right. So <laughs> it's so there's just there's just so it's just so paint by numbers. It's so kind of like that there there is there there's even lines. There's even oh, there's lines where somebody says something and someone's about to reply, and I'm saying the line before the person has said it because the script is just that basically that written. Yeah, is, is that obviously written? Yeah. There's there's some things that okay, Sean, Sean usually of this parish who people who are listening and are paying attention online are noticing that Sean is not here. So Sean, if you're listening, Sean, stay safe in Thailand. We'll see you in action. Yeah, we, we know you're missing, <laughs> but there's scenes in this that made me turn into Sean with his whole, why would you do that? Mm. <laughs> that this film has, you know, these people are supposed to be spies. They're supposed to be highly trained spies from around the world. It has the least secure safe houses ever. Every single safe house in this film is found within five minutes and broken into like the walls are made of paper. It is, it is just so, it's kind of like they decided, oh, for the plot, we need this to happen right now. And therefore, we're going to ignore everything else. And there's also a bit because they're supposed to be on the run. There's all this, there's this idea of them supposing that these spies are supposed to be on the run. But I'm like, then how did you get access to a cargo plane? If you're supposed to, how did you get that Benz? How did you get all that equipment? If you're supposed to be, it, it, there's just stuff yeah. that doesn't make sense. Well, and it's you'd like, be cut off from all of that. That's what you'd think. You'd think you'd be cut off from all of that. And then, then they put, they, they commit the sin that you, Sharon, are really, really dead set against. They commit the sin, which is that they now try and wrap a whole feminist thing around it that does not feel earned. And I, I know I'm saying that as a man watching a film starring a whole bunch of women, but I honestly don't think that the feminist message that they try and wrap around the whole thing feels earned. It feels tacked on. It feels like you, I mean, Charlie's angels did this way better because all the way through it was telling you, this is what we're doing here. And this, there's nothing of that. It's just like a straight down the middle action flick with which is competently enough made and it just and when they try and tack on the feminist message i'm like what the where did that come you did not earn that no no (laughs) and yeah so so yeah essentially and then this film ended and when it said directed by simon kinberg it made me think i think i'm going to stop watching simon kinberg films (laughs) because he also directed x-men dark phoenix which is okay. I didn't see that one. No, uh, yeah, that is. Uh, that was Sophie Turner, wasn't it? As that was Sophie Turner. Turner. It also starred Jessica Chastain in in that one. But I think it was just so straight down the middle. It was essentially you finish watching X Men: Dark Phoenix, and the reaction was meh. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, it was, yeah, it, it was there. It was kind of yeah. I expected that to happen. That happened. That happened. Mm. It wasn't particularly... You get the feeling that, yeah, the X-Men has become a spent force because of films that have been a bit, yeah. Well, yeah, X-Men, that, that version of X-Men is done. It's, the next time yeah. X-Men are showing up, it's going to be Marvel doing something hopefully good with it. So, yeah, uh, all in all, this film, I mean, I think it is reasonable enough. I would give it a three out of five. But 
it it just oh good lord it just it it sucked it out of me it sucked it out of me i just i just kind of like when someone finished i was like and the the problem is i and the what gets me is because you have diane kruger probably gives her character the most because there's a whole thing about she's a german um she's a german sort of spy and uh there's a whole thing about the fact that her 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 dad was a well was a double agent for the russians and she actually turned her dad in because she found out that he was working for the Russians, and there was that whole thing. And so she, there's a little bit of something in there. I think I think the the actors are good, like Penelope yeah. Cruz. Penelope Cruz plays a very sort of like everybody else in the film is like, yeah, let's go, we're gonna uh, shoot people in the head. Penelope Cruz just spends most of the film going, I just want to go home. Why did you let me go? Home? <laughs> and so I, I I think that they are good. I just really really wish that they had been served by a better story and a better made film that just didn't have so many holes you could drive a bus through and just wasn't so predictable from the off. I mean, the fact that I call that the opening scene they were trying to set in Bogota, Colombia before the thing even showed up on screen, it's just so hackneyed. Three out of five. Yeah, it's too much signposting. Yeah, three out of five are the very much, and I'm going to stop there and okay. pass over to you, Sharon, because I am disappointed mostly that everything you said last week was spot on. And <laughs> everything you said <laughs> I'm last sorry week was about that because I don't want to hate these films, but my experience of watching them has been like, oh, thanks on behalf of you know womankind for your patronage. Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> I, I just it was. It, it, it just felt like a standard 80s thriller that had just decided we're going to replace the lone wolf, the lone wolf, um, like, you know, all American hero with an international. There, there, There's some things that you can see are kind of worthy, but it kind of feels as if, oh, we're being worthy here. Therefore, you must watch it. And I'm like, no, tell a good story. No. <laughs> tell a good <laughs> story in a I good way. I think all the way along, I've, my grumble has been about anything that has got like a feminist slant is like where like one of my gripes has been like when they sort of feminize feminizing a lot of um, male characters it's like write decent roles for women yes do that instead of taking a role that you know is popular knows well established and they're just casting a woman in it as if to say hey look we've cast a woman now mm. That's okay then it's like just write decent roles for women just do that Instead of just trying to take a male role or male films and then saying, we're just going to put a woman in it, and that's okay, isn't yeah. it? Like, no, it's not okay. Just write decent roles for women. Yeah, that's what we want. From a point of the view of the actors, like Jessica Chastain is also a producer on the film, I can kind of understand, but like for instance, me growing up as an, well, a black kid in Nigeria in the 80s and seeing all these action films where it was predominantly a white guy doing it. Yeah. Uh, if I had become an actor and I'd gone to the point where I'll be like, you know, the kids of my youth, oh yeah, I want to see a film where it's like, and if they came and they offered me like Commando, where I would play the Arnold Schwarzenegger character, but now he's black, I'll jump at it. I mean, the film's not going to be any better than Commando. Probably it's going to be worse. <laughs> but I can imagine why I would why I would be attracted to that. And so also, if you say, oh, we're going to make all these sort of, you know, these movies that you could see almost like Dirty Dozen, but with women. And you're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. I never saw women in that role. I know I would want, I can understand that. But there's, but the way it's done is just so ham-fisted. And the fact that the way they even bring China into it is so kind of, you know how like you have this whole thing where every film ends in China now. Because they're trying to get the Chinese market. It feels so cynical 
when they bring China into it. So cynical when they bring... Like, you can look at that and you could just sort of say the only reason they have China in this film is because they want China's money. That's the only reason they have Chinese characters in this film. It, it, oh, but anyway. Okay, so we'll, okay, let's move on. Let's move on to Mother... Was it Android? Mother, Mother Cyborg? Android. Mother, Mother Android. Tell me about Mother Android on Netflix. What's this about? Yeah, Mother Android, it's a, a Netflix film. I believe it's a Netflix original, but I could be wrong in that. I have been in the past. Uh, basically, it's set in a world where we were... Sorry, we were introduced to our two main characters who are uh, a, a woman and her boyfriend. And it's just before Christmas, and they have discovered that they are pregnant um, as a couple. Yeah. And he is more into the relationship than she is. And so she's not quite sure what she wants to do, what the future's going to hold. So she's in this uncertain state. And she goes to her... Um, parents house just before christmas to see them and then you introduce to their manservant who is an android and so this is the first time that we realize that this world in which we are now joining is not our own it is yes. set in it's like recognizable as us as earth contemporary to us clothes and all the all the household goods look modern but you have this fully functioning sort of adult looking human looking android yes. who is like a domestic servant this is set in america and then they go to another house party where um, during the course of the evening, she goes into a room with one of her friends to tell him about her personal situation. And then they hear this sort of like pulse, this sort of alarm signal, and then basically all hell breaks loose. As yeah. all these androids that were previously were basically invisible, just staff, yeah. suddenly have turned on humankind. And then there's like a widespread massacre ensues. And Ooh. her boyfriend then grabs her and whatever survivors are left from this, their own domestic servant suddenly ripping them to bits. They flee. And then the story jumps ahead to basically when she's just about to give birth, she's heavily pregnant. They're hiding in the woods and they've heard about an army camp where they can go and that will help them to get to a port where there's a, a plan to get to evacuate children and families who to get them out of america yeah to another the korea basically is is one of the countries mentioned but they're like being evacuated from mainland america yeah and so that is our story so we have this woman who is about to give birth um trying to navigate through a world where basically all the androids are hostile and they look human so it's mm. only when they get close or when they go nasty that you realize that they are actually androids. Android. And so before they go into any safe place, their blood is tested, their eyes are tested. So they have to be scrutinized to make sure that they are genuinely human themselves. And so into this, you have this. Okay, Sharon, you might, you might just be a very good storyteller, but I'm liking this world that's being built. So... <laughs> So I don't really want to give you much more away because I think that from that point on, it starts getting into spoiler territory. Yes. But then the, the story as it carries on deals with their relationship. The fact that she wasn't as into him as she thought she was at the beginning of their relationship. And Been then there. obviously crisis, baby, fighting for their lives. You yeah. then see how their relationship changes um, through this violent catharsis as it were where mm. all these different emotions get played out and then you see the little bit into the world in which we're now living and there's a few twists turns you know frills and spills and moments of high tension and drama 
yeah. as you'd expect from my film of this nature. But yeah, so that being said, that's all I'll say about the story. But I thought, so my reaction to it was, I thought it was very well done, actually. It's, down, it's downplayed quite a bit. I mean, as you would expect in like a post-apocalyptic world, it's it's rainy. I think we know there's an apocalypse coming because <laughs> it's, it's going to rain, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's oh. one sure sign that it's an apocalypse in the cinema is it's raining a lot. <laughs> but is not it... all the time, but it's a bit rainy, it's a bit grey, everyone's a little bit depressed. Is it, you, you never like... see a po- post apocalyptic world in Hawaii, do you? No. <laughs> it's normally there's woods involved, which again <laughs> we know it's apocalypse when you take to the woods. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, there are the tropes in there, but then it then it does throw a few bits in there that, you know, it's not your average post-apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah. The fact that the enemy is this remorseless android. I mean, it had shades of Terminator at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was thinking about the first Terminator, especially, where the, where you don't always see it, but they describe it, don't they? That you know, that they are unrelenting, they come in, you don't know they're there, and because they, they had, they look the same, they've got the skin, the bad breath and everything quote sort of from Terminator yeah so I think there was shades of that in it um uh, but not to its detriment um mm. so no I thought it was I thought it did it very well actually and I I it was yeah quite low-key its tone I think was because instead of like being really hyper and really like ah, they had those moments but I'd say the, the the tone of the film was slightly underplayed the colors were sort of slightly um muted muted and yeah. it felt like a sort of down played sort of thing but that appealed to my sensibilities so i actually oh. i actually liked it all right cool so before i ask you for a star rating it stars chloe grace moretz yes and chloe grace moretz is one of these actors who i am never quite sure what to think of her i'm never sure if i like her or not it's it's like it's a weird it's like do i think she's a good actor or not i'm not sure after hit girl in kick-ass i i don't know so how is she in this yeah because i i again when i was looking at her i was thinking i you i should know who you are more than i do because i'm trying to think you know when you think back to what she's been and i'm thinking i know you've been around a while now because you're actually you're an ocean adult you're not a child yeah yeah but you started as a child yeah but i'm thinking what have you been in but um, (laughs) i'm (laughs) <laughs> but no, I thought she held her own. I thought as it, as it is, the focus is very much on her. Yeah, she's the mother, and it's very much from her point of view. Everyone sort of circulate all the stories sort of circulates around her. I thought she held it well. I think you you feel sympathy for her at times. You feel annoyed with her at times. Um, so yeah, she did. She did hold the story together. All right, cool. We have gotten to the... Well, let's just take a moment for that to sink in, people. We have gotten to the point where Chloe Grace Moretz is playing a mother. Is playing... Uh, oh, I might be a young mother, but a mother nonetheless. This is the one who came... This is the one who shocked us all by coming on as a 13-year-old in kick-ass and with a potty mouth. And you're like, oh, I can't believe that coming out of coming out of somebody so young. Yes. She's now a mother, people. <laughs> all right, so how many stars did you give this? I liked it, but I would still say it was probably a three. Mm. I think someone like Sean who'd probably look at it. I think there's things in it he would probably rip to shreds. He'd go, "Why would you do that? Why would you do?" Blah, blah, blah. I could <laughs> see that he would be. There's certainly certain scenes where I know he'd be like, "What? What are you doing?" So 
I know that. <laughs> and I think people who would probably, well, maybe more critical than I am about storytelling, would be a bit like, why would you fall for that? In some parts of the storyline. Um, and the things that you don't see would be like, well, that's just not, is that credible? Really? So I think it would be, um, I would say it was a three. I certainly enjoyed it. It was a good three. Yeah. Uh, but I would say it probably didn't elevate into the, it wouldn't be sort of fighting for its place with Terminator for for like a yeah apocalyptic android battle type film. Uh, I um, I think I think you've just come up with a whole new you come up with a whole new feature for the show, which is we make Sean watch things that we think he'll hate, um, yeah. <laughs> and we see how we just see so how we right we were. We were we like, need okay. a blood pressure monitor so we can do it before the film. Yeah, and then yeah. we can do that. <laughs> Just monitor <laughs> monitor his blood pressure and heart rate throughout the film. <laughs> Note: At what point does he say, "Why would you do that?" Because <laughs> we know, because I've been to the cinema with Sean, and he will, he will appreciate this when he listens to this. And that when he enjoys a film, he's almost like recumbent. He is almost like vertical. He gets really low in his seat, and he's, you can barely. See, if you sat next to him, his like, head is like down here. Yeah, he's really relaxed. He's stretched out, and he's like enjoying it. Yeah. But the more he the, the more he dislikes it, the more upright he gets. And you can tell <laughs> if he really doesn't like it, he is like taller than I am in the seat. He's just like oh, <coughs> and you can feel that tension radiating off him. And so I think this one, he'd probably be would be sort of relaxed for parts of it. Then every now and then he'd sit up and go, oh, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think the three five five would be an issue all the way through, unless he just <laughs> unless he just decided to like you know go oh it's a wonderful it's just like you know an old school action no no, no I think he'll hate it anyway yeah. but <laughs> all right cool so three stars for um mother for android. mother android and now we stay with Netflix with another Netflix original and this is don't look up now this is yeah. a film with a stellar absolutely stellar cast. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep. Uh, let's see. Uh, it 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 just has. It's just full of great actors the and lots stars. Of people. Yes. Yeah. It has. It has Timothy Chalamet, Jonah Hill, Tyler Perry. It 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 it's just chock block with all sorts of stuff. And there's been a lot of stuff written about this film because this film being is is uh, written and directed by Adam McKay. Adam McKay, who was known for doing a lot of um, films with Will Ferrell back in the day. So he did mm-hmm. things like Step Brothers and did he do and I think he did Anchorman. Yeah, he did he did Anchorman. And but in his later career he switched he did the big short. He did the big short, which is all about the financial crisis. He did um Vice, which is all about Dick Cheney. And He's come up with this one. So his the, his later films have been a lot more about the state of the world and what the way with the way the world is, and yeah. it's kind of like almost kind of like screaming, going, "Why are we like this?" And Don't Look Up is a film in which um, uh, a PhD sort of astron- astronomy student, played by Jennifer Lawrence Dibiaski, spots a comet. And when she spots the comet, everybody it starts up. Everybody is like, you know, oh my word, what an amazing, what an amazing discovery! You found a comet. Oh, it's going to be named after you. This is one of the biggest discoveries that we found. It's massive. It's huge. It's the size of Mount. It's the size of Mount Everest. And then in the opening scene, everybody comes around and is congratulating her. Then DiCaprio plays a professor and is like, oh, this is great and all that. Oh, well done, well done, Dibiaski, well done. He's saying this is so good. And so they start doing some calculations to see what the trajectory of this thing is. And he go and so, someone asks him, it's like, oh, what's that number? Oh, that's the distance it is from the Earth, and, they, and then someone asks, "Why does that number keep getting smaller?" And he's like, "Um, 
uh, okay, um, and he does some more, and then he asks everybody to leave the room, and he turns on that, he's like, oh no, that is on a direct collision course for Earth, and this is an extinction level event. He says, this is, so, so far, so deep impact, so far, so Armageddon. Um, um, so that but then what happens is that they they go and tell people their the discovery they go to nasa they go and they go all this from until they get to the point where they go to speak to the president and they say we need to go speak to the president because this is this is important we need to take action if not in six months this thing is going to wipe everybody on earth out and they go to the president of the united states played by meryl streep president orlean and the president is kind of like all right okay cool so um i'll tell you what we should do i'll say right now we sit back and assess and the president's chief of staff who is the president's son is like yeah sit back sit back and reassess so you begin to realize when you have a president in president in office that's more concerned with image who has their family members as part of their cabinet you Uh begin (laughs) exactly (laughs) you begin to realize a little bit of what this film is doing and then they the so they decide oh we are not getting anything from the president so they decide to go on to comic called c19 or anything like that So, so, so they, they, they named the comet. They named the comet after the person who found it. So Dibiaski, they named they <laughs> Dibiaski, and so, so they decide. Okay, fine. If the president will listen to us, what we're gonna, we're going to go on TV. We're going to go into the news, and so they go on to like a sort of Good Morning America type TV show, which is in which the hosts are Tyler Perry and Kate Blanchett. And so, in typical Good Morning America, you know, Good Morning Britain, or you know, breakfast TV, yeah. they are just they're just trying to be jolly and everything about that. And so they're trying to talk about the fact that this comet is coming to the Earth and it's going to kill everybody. And they're like, oh wow. Well, Tyler Perry is like, well. Can it hit one particular house? Because there's my ex-wife's house, and I really, really like it if it come and hit that house. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. essentially making a joke of it, nobody's taking this thing seriously. And so the film now goes through the rest of society and sees how different people, and the, the overriding thing is nobody is taking the comment seriously. And then Mark Rylance shows up as a combination of Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, essentially a tech billionaire. A tech billionaire who has his own ideas for what he wants to do with the comments. And the thing that strikes me all the way through watching this film is everything that's shown in the film is what would happen. (laughs) It is actually what would happen. The fact that the president will be wondering, how can I use this for my political gain? The fact that the people on TV will not pay any attention to it. The fact that you'll have a massive area of the massive area of the internet that comes up in arms to say, the comet does not exist. I don't believe that the comet is there. The, the fact that all these things, I'm like, this is exactly what would happen. As a matter of fact, this is what we have been seeing happen over the last two years. Yeah. So for me, people have been complaining and yelling about this film. The 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 main um, objections to it are that, A, this film isn't, um, this film is not subtle. And I'm like, I don't think it's supposed to be subtle. I think is that, is that, a, requ- is that a requisite then to make subtle film? <laughs> well, 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 you see, that's the thing. That's the thing because I I feel like people are saying, oh, as a piece of art, it isn't subtle enough. It's just way too on the nose. And I think that that is the point. I think that when you because this film was original, there's two things you can look at and you can say, okay, this is what it's talking about. It's climate change, number one, and number two, the pandemic that we're that we're living through. 
But knowing the way films are made, I know that this film, they must have started writing this thing before the pandemic started. They must have started filming it before the pandemic hit. So it was being written about climate change and using the this thing coming towards us as a as an allegory for climate change. But yeah. then even the, the director himself says that they had to take things out of the film because they wrote them in there as jokes, as trying to be push things to the nth degree. But then those things actually happened in real life <laughs> under the American administration that handled most of the pandemic. He was like, oh my God, no, people are going to think we just copied that. We have to take it out of the film. So number one, people are complaining that it isn't subtle enough. I'm like, I don't think it's supposed to be subtle. I think you, you are you are trying to refer to the way the world is now. The world is a very unsubtle place. You're supposed to, and for me, the, the point of the film is to show this is what would happen. Therefore, it, it it's not it's not going to be subtle because this is exactly what would happen. It would be this brazen. It would be this annoying on one side at all. But and the second thing that people have said about the film is, oh, it's not funny enough. And there's a scene where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has he he pretty much has a meltdown on live TV. That's very akin to you remember Albert Finney's. Uh, oh, it was no, it was Peter Finch. Peter Finch's "I'm mad as hell and I'm not gonna take it anymore" from Network. It's it's akin to that and there's a bit where he says um maybe because the the, the this tv anchors are like oh you know we're just trying to make it fun and he's like maybe the end of the world is not supposed to be fun and i think that is in in that line you're talking about the film and the film is essentially saying yeah we're talking about the fact that it's just showing you what would happen it's almost kind of like a thought experiment if there was a comet coming to the earth that was going to kill us all in six months time what would happen? And I think this film, I was watching the whole thing going, yeah, they nailed it. Yeah, that would happen. That totally rings true. That makes sense. And the fact is called Don't Look Up is because at one point, people start off this social media campaign when, because by this time, people have dilly-dallied so long. And I don't think it's a spoiler, but people have dilly-dallied so long that you can actually see the comments. Like if you look up into the night sky, you can see the comments. So people start off this hashtag saying, just look up. Look, that is the thing. That is a thing coming for us. We need to do something about this. And then people start up a, a rival hashtag, don't look up. <laughs> and, and it just and the fact that they, they now bring on the uh, we have Ariana Grande in the film and she plays a pop star kind of version of herself who they bring on and they have to they have to get her to sing a song about the thing for people to actually take it seriously. And if the pop star doesn't speak, nobody takes it seriously. I'm like, this is where we live. This is where we live right now. This is what would happen. I thought the film was really, really good. I would give it a four out of five. Oh. And I know that my my leanings, my leanings are probably a bit more liberal. My lean, uh, because I don't think that there's some stuff on the liberal, on your stereotypical liberal side that I think, hang on, that's stupid. There's some stuff on the stereotypical sort of conservative side that I think that's really stupid. But I do know that my leanings are a bit more towards liberal, uh, towards the liberal side of things. And that's what this film seems to have come down to. They've turned this film into a fight as to the people who are liberal think there's nothing wrong with this film. How dare you say there's anything wrong with this film? You're a climate, de climate change denier. And the people who are conservative are like, oh my God, for goodness sake, look at these people. They're just, it's so unsubtle and blah, blah, blah. That wouldn't. And <clears throat> for me, I thought it was a four. I thought it was a four star. Main, purely because I thought what was shown in the film, pretty much every single thing was bang on the money and would happen. You've seen it, yeah. Because <laughs> I haven't, I saw the trailer. And my only fear when I saw the trailer was I was thinking Mars Attacks. 
a film a film that i love by the way i love well, they threw all these names at it and i thought it's all these big names and it's all good it's it's presented as like yeah this great thing and i thought oh i've seen that before so i was <laughs> i was a bit worried that it would go down the whole mars attacks route but you have reassured me actually that it might be worth checking out i, I think it might be worth checking out i think it is there is definitely also Mars Attacks has this sort of absurdist tone to it, but yeah. an absurdist tone relating to fifties invasion movies, fifties and eighties invasion movies. This definitely has an absurdist tone, but take that sort of tone and apply it to social media nowadays and what actually happens. And I, I just thought it was, it, it felt almost to me like a documentary about the future kind of thing. If 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 it it's uh, and so I thought yeah yeah I thought everything in this thing would actually happen, which is why I was hoping to see what, that you'd see it and see what you thought because I don't think it's a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. No, I don't think it is a polemic, but it's not trying to be anything else. And yeah, I did look is, at it and I sort of shied away slightly because I was just yeah. like, oh, I don't know if it's going to be my bag. But yeah. I'm, I'm more inclined now to check it out. Yeah, but it, it's yeah. I, I thought I thought it was. I think all the performances are great. And oh, oh my god! I just remembered. There's a bit where uh, what's his name? Uh, guy who played Hellboy first time. Uh, Ron Perlman. That's it, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman shows up to play quite an offensive character but he's he's quite funny it were a problem essentially there's all these little bits where people just show up to do something and it's 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 quite good but yeah i'll give four out of five for don't look up yeah and um right and that is it that's the end of the show today that's the end of everything that we're going to review uh without having another film in cinema i don't think it's worth it actually saying no which is yeah, I feel like I feel like this is a this is a particularly Netflix juiced Netflix Netflix ju- steroided up podcast. So we we won't bother doing that. Yeah, but, we're still in, we're still in pandemic mode, though, aren't we? We did have this through um, our pandemic shows where there were no cinemas. So yeah, yeah, we did. We're just like we're not quite. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. Well, and and even yeah. though even though cinemas might show up and they might mess things up themselves by not having reasonable viewing times <laughs> we're still thankful that we have cinemas we're back. still happy to keep going yeah we're happy that we have those back and that spider-man no way home is still bringing people in mm-hmm. so, so my wife saw it this week and just sent me a head blowing up emoji she was like oh my <laughs> god that was so good so yeah uh, oh, but, uh so until next week when we will continue on a quest to find something that is in the cinema and at a reasonable hour that we can watch it <laughs> It's a goodbye for me. And it's a goodbye for me. And a goodbye from Sean, wherever he is in Thailand. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.